Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. It's good to be with you this morning. Sometimes Andy lets me uh, have a chance on the microphone, and I'm thankful for that. And, and I'm, I'm not going to take it too personally that he chose um, the topic of worry to let me preach about, because I think maybe that's something I can speak into today. And, and I believe God has a word for us, and so I'm grateful to be able to share with you. As we continue in our series, Heaven on Earth, which is um, a series that we've been walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so many of you have joined us for, for a lot of the first um, sermons in this series, and we've been learning that uh, whatever Jesus is talking about, he always brings it back to a matter of the heart, doesn't he? So we started with the Beatitudes, and we learned all sorts of different things in the Beatitudes. He talked about the law, he talked about anger, and some hard topics, um, divorce, adultery, last week fasting, prayer, giving, but whatever he talks about, he always just hones right in on the heart. And so today's going to be no different Today, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus discusses the topic of worry. And it's not hard for us to see how worry is a matter of the heart. Worry is something that applies to all of us in every situation, every time period. It's certainly a struggle for all of us. And so even as we just spoke, I don't need to remind you of all the things that fill our minds and our hearts with worry. the war in the Ukraine? Is it going to grow? Is it going to get bigger? What's going to happen? The unrest, the division in our own country that we've so recently walked through. Um, Do we even want to keep talking about COVID restrictions and vaccine passports and all the things that cause anxiety, cause worry for us? And that's on top of all the normal things of life, right? The things that are personal to you, the things that maybe you're walking through that you worry about um, that can be really elevated at any point in your life, about health, about children, about aging parents, about financial security, unsaved loved ones, whatever that might be. We all have worries. This is a message that's very relevant to us. Jesus has something for us today. And so let's lean in and listen to his words together. I'm going to read from Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. I'm going to read the chunk of scripture all as one because it kind of all goes together. And then we're going to go back and and talk about it, okay? So the verses are going to come up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. And here's what Jesus says. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We're going to stop there for now. 
So Jesus is speaking what's about what's relevant to his audience. He always does that, what's common to them, their common worries. So for them, it's very practical. These often were people who weren't of well means. They, they were fishermen, they were merchants, they um, were common, ordinary people. And their main concerns at that time in that place was just feeding their family, putting food on the table, how to provide for today and for tomorrow. And so it's easy to read this passage and think, well, that's, that's nice. I, I don't really worry about that. That's not really my common worry. Mine are bigger than that, right? Like the things we talked about earlier. Um, it's easy to dismiss that and think, you know, well, this is just about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat or drink. Most of us in this space don't honestly have to worry about what meal we're going to have next, or having clothes to wear. Those are things that, thank the Lord, we live in a place where those are often taken care of. And so we can provide for ourselves. But the worries themselves might be different, but the concept always applies. What Jesus talks about, the concepts we're going to unpack, always applies to our lives. So let me just say that I hope that you can recognize the tone that Jesus is using here is, is a really fatherly, loving, caring tone. It's not condemning. It's not corrective. But he's like a parent saying, I understand. I can relate to what you're dealing with. And I need to teach you how to deal with worry because I know it's real. And I want to help you understand that you don't need to live in that place. So he's using a loving and a caring tone like a good father does. And so let's just, let's just know that as we start out in seeing what he says. <clears throat> so Jesus uses this word worry and and it's actually a stronger word that he uses than the one we would use. Worry is sort of like, oh, I'm worried about um, if my clothes match. That's not really, that's not what he's talking about. The word he uses here is like to worry anxiously. It's the same word used for anxiety. So it's a, it's a fear. It's being consumed by a fear. And how many of you know that when you're in that place, when you feel like fear is consuming you, it's really hard for you to trust God. Worry can immobilize us, can't it? It can paralyze us. But there's a difference between worry and what we just saw, the response to the Ukrainian crisis last week from this church body is genuine concern. That can lead us to action. Genuine concern leads to action. Worry immobilizes and paralyzes us. So he's making a distinction. I'd like to be clear on what Jesus is not saying before we get into what he is saying, just briefly. He's not telling us that we shouldn't plan for the future or we shouldn't be wise. He's not saying, who cares about your life? Who cares about the future? Don't, e don't even work hard. It doesn't matter at all. He's not saying those things. He's not saying to be, be crazy. He's saying there's a difference between planning for tomorrow and worrying about tomorrow. So you still work hard. You still make a plan, but you're not going to worry about it. I love what Nikki Gumbel says. He has this phrase, and he says, think ahead plan ahead, just don't worry ahead. That's a good one. So let's look at what Jesus does teach us about worry to start. He has a couple of points that I think kind of wrap up what he's saying. And, and first, he teaches us that worry is actually pointless. We know that in our minds. But how many of you as parents have had that conversation with your child where they're you know, they're worrying about this thing that's happening at school, or they're worrying about the test, or they're worrying about the friend challenge. Um, if any of you have preteen girls, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and you say to them, like, honey, 
it doesn't matter. If worrying about it now is not going to change it. You just need to go to sleep right now. That's not going to change tomorrow. How many of us know that worry does not change the future? It also doesn't, doesn't change the past. We know that. It certainly doesn't affect the present either. It has no power. So worry is pointless. It wears out our minds. It has drastic effects on our body, anxiety. We know that, medically speaking. There's lots of symptoms of anxiety. So worry itself is pointless. We know this, but Jesus is reminding us. The second thing he teaches us is worry is blind. Now, this is interesting. Worry doesn't see clearly. It doesn't see things the way they actually are. Worry refuses to learn lessons from nature. He's talking about nature a lot here. He talks about the birds of the field. He talks about the, the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. It might seem a little bit silly to think like, Jesus, why are you comparing me to a bird? I'm not, I don't really like that. I'm not like a bird. That seems kind of silly. Um, but he's giving an analogy. He's saying, the birds who aren't even created in the image of God, I take care of them. I give them everything they need, and they don't have to worry about it. How much more will I take care of you? The one who's like the pinnacle of creation, the, the one who's created in the image of God, how much more will I take care of you? I have a very clear picture of this, the birds, because right outside our dining room on our front porch, um, up in the rafters, these birds every year make their nest there. And it seems really cute and sweet, but it's not at all because they drop, um, they drop twigs and branches all over the front steps and there's poo everywhere, like bird poo everywhere. But they're not worried about who's going to clean it up. They're not worried about where their little twigs are going to come from or like, oh, I dropped a twig. How am I going to get it? They just go right and get another one. So I sit there at my dining room table. I see them, their little heads perch out. They're never worried. They don't have a furrowed brow. They're not thinking like, what if there's no twigs for my nest? It's like, they're just going to fly around, find another twig, bring it back. If they drop it, someone will clean it up. I'll go get another one. They're not worrying. Jesus is using it just a silly little example that we can all relate to, saying they don't worry. How come you would worry? So worry doesn't learn the lessons of nature. Worry also doesn't learn the lessons of history. The lessons that would remind us and teach us over and over again that God is faithful, that he did it for you before. Is he not going to do it again? And so in nature, you see that. You see, like, think about this time of year the bulbs that are about to sprout. Some of them are sprouting already. And if you dig up one of those bulbs, a tulip bulb or a dahlia bulb, they, they look dead. They're like this brown. I was going to bring one, a dahlia bulb, actually, but, <clears throat> but I didn't want to go dig it out. Um, but they're like brown, and they look like nothing. But all of a sudden, every year at the same time, they start to sprout, don't they? The green sprout pokes through because God faithfully grows that bulb out of the ground. We don't have to water it. We don't have to like fan it. We don't have to put a heat lamp on it. We don't have to tell it like, it's March, time to sprout. It just does it. God is faithful to, in nature, to make these things happen every single year. How much more is he faithful in our lives? So Jesus is using these examples. He's using examples we can relate to that are simple and saying, those simple things I take care of, how much more will I take care of you? The third thing Jesus teaches us about worry is that worry is actually natural. He understands it. He was fully human. 
The great thing about Jesus is he was fully God. He was also fully human. So he completely understands our natural tendencies. He can sympathize with our needs. In verse 32, it said, For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So pagans is sort of a a word we don't use much anymore, a little bit offensive maybe, but it just means unbelievers, people who haven't placed their trust in Jesus. Um, The New Living Version says, These things what they're going to eat, drink, wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. The cares of this world dominate their thoughts. So yes, worry is natural, but Jesus calls us to be people who are supernatural, right? He's saying, you need to be people who understand that this kingdom that you can see and feel and touch, this is not all there is. There's an eternal kingdom that we can build into and it's going to last forever. So we're people who have supernatural faith, Have you ever thought about the fact that worry only exists on this earth? Worry doesn't exist in heaven. It's tied to the earth. So worry is natural, but it's not supernatural. And isn't Jesus always calling us to another kingdom, to a different dimension, a different way of thinking about things? He's saying, don't take your cue from the culture, but be people of faith. Because really, at the end of it, faith is the antidote to worry. Faith is the antidote to worry. So if he's going to give us a pathway, if we're going to look at this this text and say, okay, what's the pathway then? I get it. I get that I shouldn't worry. But how do I walk out of worry and into faith? There's There's just two things, two thoughts I'm going to bring to you. And the first is this. I think what we need to do first is examine our focus. When I read this passage and meditated on it, I really believe that more than this passage being about worry, it's actually about focus. It's actually about our attention. Focus is where we put our attention. So what are you paying attention to? What dominates your thoughts? What are you preoccupied with? You know, we only have limited mental resources, don't we? So what are we spending those on? What is filling our mind? What are we thinking about most? And are the things we're thinking about the most the things that we would say really matter to us? These are hard questions. These are questions I'm asking myself too. You know, what if um, we took an inventory of our thoughts? Like, have any of you ever done a diet where you need to write down everything that you eat in a day? That's not a fun thing to do. Who wants to do that? Like, I... I didn't even actually really try that. I just thought about trying that and thought, that is not going to work for me. I don't want to write down everything I eat because I will feel guilty every time I have a treat. And I like to have treats. And so I don't even want to write that on that paper. I want to eat what I want to eat. And you, you do it for like an hour, and then you're like, forget it. I'm not writing this down anymore. This is crazy. So, okay, imagine if we weren't taking an inventory of our eating, but an inventory of our thoughts. What if for 24 hours you took an inventory of everything you thought about? all the thoughts that entered your mind, all the things you entertained in your heart, in your mind, that would be telling for us. That would be honest. That would show us where our mental resources are going, what we're paying attention to, what's dominating our thoughts. And if our focus is on things, and that's consuming most of our mental energy, which it naturally would be, that's going to naturally lead to worry. Have you ever noticed that you know, the things that you focus on, you worry the most about. So, you know, my kids all have this obsession with wearing white 
runners. And they, they've sort of passed it on to Andy and I now. So we like to wear, you know, these white runners or white converse or whatever. They're like pristine white. And we live in a place where there's muddy fields most of the year at their school, right? So they get these runners and then they're like so worried about, is my, are my runners going to get dirty? And what if they get dirty? And I don't think I can wear them today because it's rainy and the field is muddy. And maybe I can wear them. Well, then I have to clean them. And it's like they're so obsessed with the white runners staying white that they can't think about anything else. And it's a picture, right, of like the thing that you're so worried about is bound to happen. How about the, the new car you have that probably cost you a lot of money and you're like so obsessive about that car not getting scratches that you, I know some of you do. You park it like at the far end of the parking lot where nobody else is around you so they can't ding you when they open their door instead of parking in the most likely close spot. Those are just funny examples of the things that consume our mental energy are the things that we naturally worry about the most. Jesus is asking us to focus on what he's doing, not on what we're doing. It's very easy to focus on what we're doing. It's right in front of us. We see it. We think about it. It's there all the time. But he's saying, shift your focus. Shift your eyes. Lift your eyes up to what I'm doing, not to what you're doing. Focus on that. And when we focus on him, it doesn't create worry because he can be trusted, because he's faithful. So the other thing Jesus teaches us, besides examining our focus, the other pathway out of worry and into faith is to invest in eternal things. So focus is where we put our attention then investment is where we put our resources. In the same way that we only have limited mental resources to spend, we're very aware that we only have limited physical resources, right? We only have so much money. We can only buy so, so large of a house. We have this big of a mortgage. We can only get that car. We can have this many vacations. We know how much money there is at the end of the month. And so we're very aware of this. And it makes sense that we focus on where we're going to put our resources and where we're going to invest. I want to take you back one section in, in the Bible, um, right before this worry section. There's a section called Treasures in Heaven. This is all about investment. And so right, right before Jesus talks about worry, he actually talks about this passage, Treasures in Heaven. I'm just going to read a few verses, starting in verse 19. Matthew 6, verse 19 Here's what he says. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the key verse. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, it's always a matter of the heart for Jesus, right? We need to evaluate where our treasure is because that's the honest truth about where our heart is. Our treasure is what's most important to us, what we value the most. And if we have the wrong treasure, then our heart is going to be in that place. Our heart's going to be in the wrong place. Because what we treasure actually controls us, whether we want to admit that or not. That is the truth. And so Jesus gives us a simple picture of storing up treasures on earth that um, is actually kind of disgusting, like moths and vermin destroy it. And they come in and they eat it, these little critters, and things get stolen, things get broken, and, and it's all going to be taken away. But, he says in verse 20, that's a, that 
is maybe the most important word you read in the Bible. If you see but, we've said this before, but is where Jesus is saying, this is how you think, but I'm giving you a different way of thinking. So pay attention when you see the word but, because he's going to give you a whole new way of thinking. He says, but I'm giving you an alternative. Store up treasures in heaven. Store up things that are eternal. Remember, he understands our weakness. He knows our humanity. He knows our natural tendency to want to focus on and invest in the things that we can see, the things that we can feel and touch. It's natural, but it's not supernatural. The alternative is storing up treasures in heaven. What is that? What does that mean? That's investing in things that are eternal, things that will last forever. So we have to ask ourselves, what are those things? Well, the first thing I think of is people. You know, people's bodies don't last forever, but their soul does. People are eternal beings. So investing in people is storing up a treasure in heaven. It's eternal. Investing in the kingdom of God, in the, in the gospel, in, in, the, in salvation, in hope. Investing in, think of the fruit of the spirit. They last forever. Joy love, peace, hope. These things last forever. They can never be taken from you. Those are the things Jesus is asking us to invest in. You can think of other things too. Allow God to speak to you. Just a side note. Of course, it makes sense to get yourself good things on earth. He's not saying, again, what he's not saying is just buy junky stuff, who even cares? It's, gonna, it's all going to fall apart and get stolen, stolen and destroyed. That's not necessarily what he's saying. He's saying that's not our focus. But when you buy things, yes, buy good things, of course. Don't buy the cheapest version of something because it's going to wear out anyways. Might as well last five years instead of one year. Is it just me or are things lasting way less time? Like, I know that makes me sound really old. But... Um, <clears throat> Appliances, anybody? Like appliances last for like a couple years now. Our grandparents had those, you know, green fridge that lasted like the, my whole life, I think. Their whole life, actually. It's still there. Um, it never broke. But ours, like we opened our microwave the other day and the handle came right off in our hand. It was like, it's this really cheap plastic handle and I ordered a new part for it and it was $90 for this handle. So yes, invest in good things. That's not what Jesus is saying. But on earth, he's warning, warning us against putting our hope in the pleasures of this world that have no permanence, that offer us nothing after this life. So if we realize that our possessions or our money or any other number of things have become too important in our lives, then what are we to do about that? I think in that case, we need to reestablish control over them. We need to flip the tables and say, those things don't control me, I control them. And so Andy last week was talking about fasting, and that's a really practical way to say, my body doesn't control me, I control it. And so there's ways, there's acts of discipline that you can use, um, maybe with money, that has to do with the discipline of simplicity in saying, you know what, I could buy that, but I don't need that. I'm not going to buy that. So these are ways that we can flip the table and say, the things don't control me, I control them. And if we find ourselves in a tension where it feels like the, my grip is starting to 
to get away on me here and my things are starting to control me, this is a great exercise. Start to use discipline. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's simplicity. Maybe it's even the discipline of waiting for something, not just buying it because I can. This is a lot to do with our money, but there's lots of different ways we can use discipline. Begin to ask God to open your eyes to what you can do to break that cycle in your life. I think that storing up treasures in heaven um, is accomplished by continual acts of obedience to God. And that's not easy. That's every day getting up and saying, God, what do you want for me today? I'm going to do what you're asking me to do, even when that's hard, even when that's countercultural, even when that's not natural, even when that's not the thing that I feel like I really want or I'm fixing my attention on. God, I want to be obedient to you. So it's those continual acts of obedience. It's also continual acts of generosity. That's also how you store up treasures in heaven is acts of generosity, building into God's kingdom. You know, imagine if we had as much focus on and attention and investment into the kingdom of God as we do into like our next home reno project. Some of us, you know, are constantly thinking, we're trying to redo our bathroom. And so I'm like always looking at tiles and countertops and all these things. And it's like, that's a lot of energy I'm putting in that. Imagine if some of us, Pastor Andy, um, (laughs) gave as much attention to the kingdom of God as like the next new truck we want to buy, right? We're researching, we're looking, I'm just being silly, but um, there's a lot of things that can take our attention, They take a lot of our attention, take a lot of our investment, our mental and physical resources. And imagine if we shifted that to the things that really matter, to the things that are eternal, to the kingdom of God. I'm going to wrap up with one last verse. It's at the end of this passage. And it's a verse often many of you will know, you've heard often, but it really summarizes what Jesus is talking about in this whole section, treasures and the kingdom and worry And he says this in Matthew 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. Constantly seek his kingdom, one version says. Put your focus on God's kingdom. Invest into God's kingdom. Make that your priority. And there's not going to be a lot of energy left for work. in your life. You're constantly saying, God, help me be obedient. Open my eyes. I want to invest in what's eternal, in what matters, in what's going to last forever. And the promise that Jesus gives us here is so good. It's the promise that all the provisions of life will be taken care of. That's a pretty great promise. Everything that you need will be taken care of, and you're investing in something eternal. Instead of just, you get all this, and it gets destroyed, and it's all going to be gone. No, no, you get stuff that's going to last forever, and you get what you need. That sounds like a better option, doesn't it? You know, when I look at the verbs in this passage, like the action words, I just, I love that it's encouraging. It spurs us on. It's like constantly seek the kingdom of God. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. Forsake your worries. Deal with each challenge one day at a time. Steep your life, the message version says. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Jesus is asking us to lift our eyes 
beyond what we can see, beyond what we can touch, to what's unseen and what's eternal. Focus on those things. Invest in that kingdom. And that can never be taken away from you. You know, this teaching, all the teachings of Jesus, I just love that it applies to every person in every time period, in every place. So whether you're a Jew living in ancient Israel, like he was talking to, working in the marketplace, trying to sell enough cloth to feed your family for that day, or whether you're in Canada, worried about when COVID is gonna end and you're gonna get your life back, or whether you're a beautiful Ukrainian person hiding with your family in a bomb shelter and not sure what tomorrow holds. The word of God, these words of Jesus can be counted on. They're true and they're trustworthy and they work for us because if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, God promises to supply us with everything we need here and now. Like manna for the Israelites, right? We give them bread every day. I'm gonna give you what you need for today. And tomorrow I'm gonna to give you what you need for that day and the next day and the next day and the next day. He's gonna do the same with us. We gotta get our eyes on him. He knows our needs. He knows your needs. He's a good father. And you know, just one final thought as I was thinking about this and how it applies in our lives and how it applies in our world right now, I was just struck with the thought that God, you know, wow. Even if it doesn't all work out the way the world would say it should, what about the times where someone gets sick and they do die? What about if this war rages on? What about if we all just get COVID every year for the rest of our lives? What about those things? But this still works, this message still applies because if you live this way, you will displace worry at the center of your heart and the center of your life and you will build something that's gonna last for eternity and can never be taken away from you. Thank you, Jesus, for your words today. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, we are grateful that your words are true, that your words are for us now, that they last forever that they're so relevant to our lives no matter where we are, what we're facing, what our worries are. So even now, God, we just bring our worries to you. We lay them at your feet and we thank you for showing us a new pathway into faith, into trust. God, we fix our eyes on you. We get them off our circumstances, off our things, off the things that are gonna get destroyed and wear out and onto things that are eternal. And so help us, Jesus, open our eyes to see what you're building. We wanna build into your kingdom. We wanna be people who have eternity in mind. Oh God, we love you. We do trust you. We trust you for today. We trust you for tomorrow. And we thank you that you are faithful. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit. Speak to each person. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Let's, let's stand. Let's sing together to close this service out.